Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome into another edition of the Hangtime Podcast. It's Seku Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann, is in New Jersey, and John Hartzell's behind the glass as always. Latest NBA power rankings dropped on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Had a huge 11-game slate for you. Interesting games throughout the day. Interesting situations in all the games. Very curious stuff going on. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But first of all, we have some delayed breaking news here on the podcast. Carmelo Anthony is on the move once again. He's reportedly being traded to the Chicago Bulls today by the Houston Rockets. I know a lot of people didn't even realize he was still the Rockets to trade away. You know, he's kind of been gone so long. Shoe, does does Melo have anything left in the tank to help the Bulls? And should we care? From what I read, the reports are that he's not going to play with the Bulls, that it's just a matter of them waiving him or trading him at some point between now and February 7th. And where's he? I mean, we know where where we think the destination is. If there was another team interested in him, wouldn't they have him by now? And or like, like they could have traded for him. Or like, oh, if they didn't want to trade for him, they wanted him to be waived, then like, okay, his agent could go now to the Bulls. Hey, please just waive him now. He's got a deal. Like, you know, like Kent Fareed, the Rockets needed Kenneth Fareed, and apparently the Nets were like, all right, whatever, and they waived him, right? And now Kevin Kenneth Fareed is now playing for the Rockets. Like, why can't that just happen with Carmelo Anthony if there's actually a team out there interested in Carmel, Carmel, Carmelo Anthony and wanting Well, them. let's put our conspiracy theorist hats on here, Shu. You, I mean, if the team that needs, that needs him doesn't need him right now and maybe needs for him to come to them a certain way on the buyout market, maybe. But shouldn't, shouldn't they let him go through this process so they can get him the way they, that best allows them to move forward in terms of what their master plan is? If they're planning on signing him after a buyout, they either have to have a ro- roster space open or they have to clear a roster space. So they could trade for him also. He's on a minimum contract. Like there's nothing you can trade for him and send the rights to, you know, some European 40 year old European guy that's never going to come to the NBA. You know, like there's no. Is, it, is that what Melo's been relegated to now? No, He's I'm just saying, like, if, uh, all right, if there's interested teams, then why aren't they, why hasn't it happened yet? I mean, I'm fascinated by the whole thing. Like, I would love to see him, you know, I don't want to see him go out like this. But No, neither do I. I'd like to see him do get get a one-game stint in the Bulls jersey, kind of like Rasheed Wallace did <laughs> when he played for the Hawks for one game and, like, you know, got 20 and, and 10 and then, or whatever. And then go on to win a championship later that year. Hey, you know, do what you got to do, Melo. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for Melo, however this ends. But, man, I – there are some people like when the when the news broke that it, you know that he was gonna get moved. It was kind of like, man, I, some venom for a guy who's. What did Melo do to everybody? What uh, what did he do to to foster such foul reactions from people about him? You know, whenever something goes down. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing to maybe not like or not want your team to acquire him because you think that he's going to maybe disrupt a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to just sort of trash him at every opportunity. That's a different 
different thing. Like if you're a Lakers fan and say the Lakers traded for him, you you could, I could see you say, ah, oh, I think, you know, I'd rather give that playing time to, you know, player X instead of player Y or instead of Carmelo. But like, yeah, there's no need to, to weigh in on every little thing that happens with him and, and think that, and, and just think that he doesn't deserve to another chance. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know why there's such bad feelings about Melo in so many places. I mean, <laughs> I guess I understand in New York or Oklahoma city, you know, if you felt like Melo was there and you didn't get what you want, but man, anyway, I don't know. what do you do to the rest of the league? It's like, it's personally, people are personally offended when his name is mentioned with their team. It's like, man, he's not the worst dude you could have on your roster, is he? It's a good question. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, come on. I'll take him over that's, Jabari Parker. That's that'll. Oh that, boy, you that, brutal. You that's my. To go there. That's my. I, I just thought of somebody that no, I'd rather have <laughs> than this guy, and I'll, I'll say it's Jabari Parker. Well, right, we know right we'll now. be getting an invite to the Parker family reunion this summer, John Schumann. Since we last talked, shoot. Boogie has played a couple games for the Golden State Warriors. Had about the the impact I thought he would. I wasn't expecting fireworks or for him to come out and get 30 or do anything crazy. But physically, I, I've liked the way he looks. He doesn't look like he's laboring at all, you know, after that Achilles injury and recovery. Should there be expectations at this point for what we get out of Boogie with this Warriors team right now? Or I think the best thing he's done, Shu, is he hasn't disrupted the flow. I mean, Clay, you know, Cook, you know, 44 yesterday, 10 straight threes before he missed one, went 10 of 11. I mean, you know, they blew the Lakers out at Staples. What, what's been your uh, instant impressions of Boogie? Pleasantly surprised. Like, like you said, I don't think he's been laboring. He run, he's run the floor pretty well. Like, uh, I remember in the first game against the Clippers, he had a, a fast break dunk. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't see much of the action last night, but I see that the Warriors starting lineup with their five all-stars is now a plus 35 in only 18 minutes. They've outscored their opponents 55 to 20. Good grief. And what's interesting is they're, they've had 22 assists on their 23 buckets in those minutes. So that lineup has basically assisted on every bucket. So they, it's not, you know, we're not, you know, hey, get the ball to Boogie and let him disrupt the flow or anything like that. Like, so that's, I mean, I don't think he could ask for the first two games to have gone any better. Yeah. Uh, can, I, can I go ahead and say, by the way, as well, I love the Warriors' ability to manufacture drama late in the game on the bench. They have Steve Kerr getting into it with Jordan Bell, like uh, something totally inconsequential on any other team. You know, the coach getting into a dust-up with, <laughs> with a guy who's essentially out of the rotation. But the Warriors are, are such a must-see reality NBA TV that, you know, people are talking this morning. I saw on social media, it's, it's started this fire, you know, Jordan Bell and Steve Kerr. Who cares? Like, literally, who cares if Steve Kerr is getting, is, is getting lit back from Jordan Bell? This dude may or may not see the light of day the rest of the season in terms of rotation. Who knows? I guess there could be some hand-wringing about him not progressing the way you wanted him to, I guess, in his second season. But are the Warriors that big of a show that that even a bit player like Jordan Bell gets headlines for something like this? I guess so. I mean, I, I, I saw it. I thought it was a little bit interesting. But, yeah, because it's Jordan Bell, it's less interesting than <laughs> if it were somebody else. But, yeah, I, I agree, though, that he has been a little bit of a disappointment in the 
in his second season. Like we thought that he was going to get, be getting a bulk of the minutes alongside the other four all-stars until uh, cousins returned. And that just didn't happen where it was, you know, it was Kevon Looney that really took oh, James before Looney got, I mean, or Jones, Damian Jones before yeah. you know, he got hurt. And yeah. then, Looney, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, so basically he was third out of the three uh, on that sort of depth chart of the fifth, you know, the fifth guy. And so I think that's a little bit disappointing for him. And, and, you know, he's still now, obviously, even with Jones after the season, still scratching for minutes. That might be part of his frustration as well. Who knows? Just interesting that the Warriors always find a way to make headlines, even when everything else should be harmonious. Eight-game rank streak right now ties them for the longest of the season. I know. I know. There were other highlights on on a huge day of games, and I thought that TNT, especially the games were on NBA TV, TNT, you know, all over the place. But I thought they especially did a great job highlighting the importance of the day, and I think they always do a really good job of that. So that's always a highlight for me, you know. And I went to State Farm Arena and watched a little bit of the Hawks and Orlando Magic game, and they had they had an awesome, they had a choir singing. During the introductions for the Hawks, it was pretty cool. And uh, Adam Silver, commissioner, was in the building as well here in Atlanta yesterday for Martin Luther King Day. So pretty big, you know, monster slate all around. I enjoyed you watching Joel Embiid and the Sixers agitate and pummel James Harden and the Houston Rockets. Embiid has quickly become my favorite troll in all of sports. I mean, he's he had, he had a... A chase down block on Harden that was pretty sweet, and then you know, got up in Harden's face. They had they had their own little dust up earlier. I mean, he's Embiid always seems like he's into it with somebody. I don't know if he's doing that just because that's who he is. And if if that's the case, that's beautiful. If it's genuine, then I, I love a seven foot, two hundred seventy pound troll. Because uh, what are you gonna do? Because <laughs> exactly like who's gonna who's gonna knock him down? You know, for being like that, but. Is is he quickly becoming the big man that we've all been wishing was around, like the big bully, multi-skilled? You know, I mean, he can, he can shoot it from outside. He can play inside. He can run the floor. Has, has he morphed into the kind of big man we thought maybe wouldn't exist much longer in this league? He's really been that from day one since since he got over that those first two years of injuries and started playing, even that rookie year where he played 31 games. I mean, those 31 games were really, really freaking good. Um, it's continued that way. I mean, the guy is a two-way monster. I mean, he's a defensive player of the year candidate and obviously puts up huge numbers on offense. Um, and I think the Sixers are starting to look pretty good right now. They're I think they've won eight, they've won eight of their last 11. Um, they're, they lost that nail biter to Oklahoma city on Saturday, but their last three wins are by 42 points over Minnesota by 24 points, uh, at Indiana and by 28, uh, over the Rockets. So they're, (laughs) they're looking good. Ben Simmons has, has been terrific, still not shooting, but, and, and, and I think, uh, his inability to shoot played a part in them not being able to get a good shot off against at the, on that last play against Oklahoma city. But Hey, if, if, if they take care of business as well as they have been and, and start beating teams by 20 and 30 points, um, his inability to shoot, uh, doesn't really matter. And I, and I was watching Ben Simmons. He doesn't get credit for it. But he's a really good teammate on the floor. When you think about how unselfish he is, I know he got, he gets knocked for it. Sometimes he got, you know, people kill him for not, taking that shot the other night and, and giving the ball to Jimmy Butler and, and allowing him to take that 
last second shot. I just, I like the idea that he's as unselfish as he is. And maybe it's born out of the fact that he's not a great shooter and that he's going to pass up some opportunities that a guy in his position would normally take. But man, I mean, it it would be hard to deprogram a guy from the other direction. So the idea that you got to encourage him and build him up and make him be a guy who takes some of those shots you want him to take is refreshing to me. It's not like we're having to scream and, you know, holler for this guy not to gun all the time. You know, in a a league where, you know, let's be serious, we got Reggie Jacksons of the world out there running around taking shots that we wish they would facilitate for others. I like that about Simmons' game. I think that's – I know it's negative to some people. I think it's actually a positive part of his game. Yeah, I think there's a Jason Kidd element to him, just Jason Kidd in a bigger body almost, where um, he's a terror on the break, obviously, just like Kidd was unselfish and I don't think he he's as brilliant as a passer as kid was and just seeing passes that nobody else sees but he's he's not bad in that regard and then a stout defender I mean kid kid was a tough defender a guy who could who is big and strong and sort of can guard guys a couple inches bigger than him Simmons doesn't have to worry about that aspect I mean he's six eight and just huge and can be a really really good defender and uh, that's one reason why uh I had him in my all-star starters, which we'll get get to later in the show. Really? Okay. It's just it's so how big is Simmons? I haven't I can't think the last time I was, you know, standing right next to him or near him. I mean he's he's tall. He's he's six nine and a half, six ten, right? Is that right? Is it yeah, I guess I Because he's bigger than LeBron. Yeah, that's true. Last time I remember he's taller than LeBron. Is he listed at six ten? It's possible. Yeah, he's listed at six ten. So Okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's I mean the it's just such an advantage to have that dude as your point guard. I mean, yeah. like, cause JJ Redick is six, four, right? So if a team has uh, two guards that are, you know, six, three and six, six, you know, the small guy can play, uh, can defend Redick, but still, so you're going to have somebody on your team defending Ben Simmons. And that means staying in front of him on the break, but that also means try- muscling with him, you know, when he does his, you know, his duck ins and post up uh, in the half court offense as well. I mean, he's a big dude and that, that's not easy to match up with uh, defensively. Yeah. You mentioned our all-star starters. We'll get to those briefly. But let me let me touch on Week 15 power rankings. I got a chance to digest those while I was watching games yesterday. Top five are the Bucks, the Warriors, Raptors, Nuggets, and Spurs on NBA.com. As they are every Monday, authored by John Schumann. I, I like the, the top five. I got no issue with whatsoever. You know, and I know you always have quality, detailed explanations for why teams are where. So please check those out on NBA.com. But I like the team of the week, Brooklyn Nets, shoe Four-game win streak, beat some pretty good teams, you know, you know, a couple of decent teams in the mix there, obviously, in the Celtics and the Rockets. And then came back and, came back and beat the Kings on Monday. Yeah, but D'Angelo Russell, what the world? <laughs> he is – he's making shots. I mean, we've talked about him before. He, he can't get to the basket and – he doesn't get to the free throw line. So I haven't looked, uh, I, have, I haven't checked yesterday's, I think he had 30 something yesterday. Yeah. But against the Celtics and Magic, he had 74 points total. Only five of those 74 came in the restricted area with two layups or on free throws. He had one free, he made one free throw. So 74 points in two games with only five of them coming on layups or free throws. So his inability to get to the line and, and, and get to the basket makes it, I think, tougher for him right to be consistent to be efficient 
really. Yeah, because you're always shooting. Yeah, he's shooting jumpers. All the I mean, dribble, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's shooting He's shooting jumpers. But, man, he's, he's, he's shooting really well. I think the, the Nets have done a good job of having him cut down on his mid-range. And so he's, mm-hmm. his, his sort of three-point attempt to mid-range attempt uh, ratio has climbed quite a bit. And he just seems more comfortable from three. Like, he's just he, – he's got that sort of – casual way to him but he's just really comfortable at from three where it just feels like he's just shooting a, a 15 footer you know like and and so he's making shots and and that's been huge for them you know the one thing that's been the difference for them really in, in them turning their season around is how well they've played in close games you know they started the season uh eight and Horrible, yeah, yeah, eight and 18 and they were four and 12 in games that were within five in the last five Right now, they've won 17 of 22, so they're 17 and 5. And in that stretch, they're 10 and 2 in games that were within 5 in the last 5. They had that huge comeback against Orlando, and before that, they had that comeback against the Rockets where they came back from uh, 11 down with less than four minutes to go. So, you know, that's a skill. You know, finishing close games is a skill. I, you know, part of that is luck. You know, you know sometimes the, ba- the ball is going to bounce your way and sometimes it isn't. But their ability mm-hmm. to close games is a skill. And I think back to Russell, I think his ability to sort of bounce back. Like again, in that Houston game, he did not play well. I think he was like a minus 21 in a game that went to overtime. So that tells you, you know, that his minutes were not very good. But then he comes back and bounces back and, and has another game, a great game in the next game. So that's, that's a sign of maturity, I think, probably that wasn't there in his Lakers days. His ability to know that, hey, you know, I didn't have it, I didn't have it this one night. And like I said, you know, inconsistency, in, the consistency is going to be an issue for him just the way because of his inability to get to the line into the basket. But his ability to sort of bounce back from a game where he didn't have it and where – Spencer Dinwiddie was on the floor and he wasn't down the stretch of close game of a, of a, of a close game and then come back the next night and, and still have a, a, a terrific performance. Like I say, is a, is a sign of, of maturity and, and you know, that this dude gets it. Are the, are the Nets legit? I mean, are they, t- you know, they're in the sixth spot now in the Eastern conference standings. Is this real? Like, is this a playoff team and a team with the potential to, put a little fear in somebody if they get get a chance to in the first round of playoffs? Well, on the one hand, like I said, it, there's a little bit of luck in, in, in you know, in this run is 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 about like that 10-2 and two record in close games, like being able mm-hmm. to win some close games. So there's a little bit of luck there. And, and you know, still, there are still only two games over 500. So, the you know, you are what your record is, and, and there's still only two games over 500. They have a brutal end to the schedule, so so there's no guarantee that they're going to stay remain over 500. At the same time, they're missing their best player. I still think Karis LeVert is their best player when he's healthy. Yes, yes. And they're beating some good teams. And so, yeah, I would – I mean, I don't know if any of those top five teams is that scared of them. The worst team, you know, like just thinking about it, like Indiana is 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 our you know biggest question mark among that top five, and Indiana is, I think killed the, the Nets in every time they played. So yeah, I don't know if any of those teams are are that scared of, but like I think it's just uh, a huge the same thing with the Kings. It's just like a huge step forward for them this mm-hmm. year, and we should just and we shouldn't worry about them as as oh what are they going to do in the playoffs? Let's just say hey. <laughs> Look at where this team was a couple of years ago with right. with a lack of talent and a lack of picks and and see how they've uh, how far they've come. Same thing with the Kings. The Kings probably aren't going to make the playoffs, but 
the fact that they took a step forward, a real significant step forward after, you know, 13 years of, of just consistently terrible basketball makes this season uh, a, a, an important one for them. Yeah, I like it. I like the progress we've seen from both those teams. Now, you know, when you mentioned the Kings as well. You've talked in recent weeks about the Jazz having an opportunity shoe to to get things turned around. Had a tough loss to the Blazers, you know, yesterday, but still in, in a prime position to continue piling up some wins. They got a tough one Wednesday night against the Denver Nuggets, but then they got a back-to-back home-and-away series with the Timberwolves. This is I, Donovan Mitchell has looked really good to me. I've gotten emails from people complaining about Rudy Gobert not being on the MVP ladder. I, you know, I'll take those with a grain of salt. But are they still in the position that you think they are in to to make that move in in the West? Oh, yeah. I mean, they still have a favorable spe- schedule going forward. They still have more mm-hmm. home games going, than road games going forward. And so I think, yeah, they're, they're there. Obviously, the health of their guards is important. I don't think R- Ricky Rubio played last night, did he? I apologize for not have, being up on everything that happened. You, you didn't watch the Jazz uh, Blazers game? I, like I said, it was a Monday. I love the <laughs> fact that there were 11 games with 10 different starting times. I mean, that was fantastic. But because it was a Monday, uh, Power Rankings Monday, I made it only till like 7 o'clock at, at night <laughs> here on the Eastern. So I'm checking the thing. So, yeah, Rubio did not play. So they've played six games now, I think, without a point guard, basically. Oh, Rubio yeah. did play. He played, came off the bench, sorry. And Mitchell has stepped up. You know, he's been terrific. Yeah. In uh, in those minutes, I, th- I assume Rubio will come back and start, you know, later this week. But and the min- the minutes with Mitchell and Royce O'Neal as their se- sort of second guard have been really good prior to last night. So yeah, I think they're in position, and and I, that's a good win for the Blazers, by the way, because yes. the Jazz had killed them, crushed them in both of their previous two meetings this season. So uh, and they play again next week, uh, I believe next Wednesday. So. That's an important win for the Blazers just to beat that particular that team in particular on the road mm-hmm. is, is good for them. But I, yeah, I still believe in the Jazz's ability to move up in the West to, you know, to maybe a uh, five, six, seven situation, maybe even the top four, just because of their schedule. And obviously their defense, I expect to be uh, number one or number two by the time we get to the All-Star break. Yeah, that would be vindication for a lot of people who had them as their team on the rise this season if they were able to finish in the top four in the West, <clears throat> excuse me, by the end of the season. So very interesting, just the the ebb and flow of seasons, you know, around the league, man. Some teams are, are you know, are cooking right now. Others, and I don't want to talk about them, but the Lakers, man, you talk about a – it's the longest stretch of games LeBron has ever missed due to injury in his career, obviously, or at all. But it's taken a huge toll on that Lakers team. I was – the group they tried it out against the Warriors last night, shoe. <laughs> And Lord knows I love Mo Wagner and, you know, they got some other guys who are developmental players, you know, and French players who are trying to make a name for themselves in a in what's a really strange season when you think about it overall for the Lakers, knowing that this roster is probably going to look largely different in the, you know, in the future compared to what it looks like now. But it, it just reinforces the, the notion that, man, you to survive in this league without your stars, without your best players is a is a beast. I mean, literally a beast. Lonzo Ball, now he's out with a, you know, four to six weeks with this, this sprained ankle. And I watched him, I watched the play where he sprained the ankle the other day, and it was, A, I, I, it didn't look like it would be that big of an injury to me for some reason. I don't know why. But it's just, I mean, it, it's just a reminder of how difficult it is 
to win at a high level in this league without your your main pieces. So the Lakers, are, you know, as far as teams to keep an eye on for me, they got to get LeBron and, and certainly Rondo back before we can take full, you know, measure them. But they, they don't have a whole lot of time to play around. They got to – Every game counts. Yeah, they got to get to it. I mean, they've been kind of mercurial, you know, without these last few games. I mean, they, yeah. they've had some 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 really good performances and other ones. I mean, obviously, losing Ball hurts just the to the fact of, you know, how important he is to their transition offense. Sure. And how important their transition offense is to them, to their offense as a whole. But, yeah, I mean, Zubats has looked really good, you know. He's just a big who can catch and finish. Um but yeah, and and you know Kuzma's had his ups and downs. Ingram has had his ups and downs, and so you know it is all about health. And and I mean that was basically my lead to power rankings, just because. Yeah. As Cousins comes back, the Pelicans lose Anthony Davis. The Rockets lose Clint Capella. The Lakers lose Lonzo Ball, and even you know uh, the Bulls aren't you know wins and losses don't matter to them. But losing uh, Wendell Carter Jr. for I think it's like eight to twelve weeks or something like yeah. that stinks just because you know they have that young core that and the more minutes those guys get together the better and you know they've only played like a hundred something minutes with uh chris dunn and levine and uh lowry Markin and, yeah. and, and carter on the floor together and you know obviously for a rookie a rookie big man who for which you know the feel of the game is so important to for him to lose two months of his rookie season is uh is a tough blow yeah you are, well, like I said, sometimes in this league, you are what your stars dictate you are. And speaking of those stars, you, uh, the All-Star starters will be announced Thursday night on TNT. Voting is closed. I'm sure you got your ballot in on time, as I, I, I did the same. So now's as good a time as any, shoe to get a head start on it. Who'd you have on your starting five for the Eastern Conference All-Stars? Well, we've talked about the Eastern Conference front court was very easy. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And then the backcourt for me was Kyrie Irving. And then it came down to a decision between Bradley, Bradley Beal and Ben Simmons. And mm-hmm. I went to Simmons for a couple of reasons. Team success, one, rebounding and passing, getting in there, and defense just getting in there. I mean, I think he's just just the overall all-around player. Although I, I was tempted for a little bit to go with Beal just with how terrific he's been. Obviously a higher usage player than than Simmons is. Um, well, with, just, with no John Wall around, he's been right, on a tear. Right, know? right. So I went with Beal over – I mean, I went Simmons over over uh, Beal. And, mm-hmm. and the good thing about, you know, doing the votes for the starters is you don't really have to worry about snubbing somebody because they're going to – be a reserve anyway really yeah, um, yeah so that was my eastern conference uh five i had the same group except for that other guard spot you're talking about i had Kyrie. i actually had kimball walker as, as my other guard and i know people go kimball you know but when you think about the entire first half kimball was great like when when yeah. bill was trying to figure it out you know in washington they were having issues kimball was cooking now he had a stretch where he he struggled as well but I always factor in how much of the load is on your shoulders on your particular team. And to me, Kimba carries as much of a load as any single player in the East in terms of his responsibility for his team winning and playing well. I, I, maybe I felt a little sentimental and gave him the hometown nod since the game's in Charlotte, but maybe not. I mean, you know, like you said, it's not as if 
somebody's getting snubbed. I, I think we all can agree that Bradley Beal, Ben Simmons, and Kimba are, all should be on the east, you know, the list for All Stars in the Eastern Conference. So that shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I don't hate the Kemba Walker pick at all. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like anybody was any particular guy would have gotten snubbed by not getting on there. Who did you have on your on your Western Conference side? So West's uh, guards were easy: uh, Stephen Curry and James Harden, uh, and then the front court. I didn't have like a one obvious one. I basically had a group of four guys that I was picking three from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the group of four was Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Paul George, and Nikola Jokic was my sort of four that it came down to. Mm-hmm. And of the four, I left off Anthony Davis, which was weird to me. But I just went with Durant, Paul George, Nikola Jokic as my as my front court. And I, you know, I don't have much of an explanation why I left off Davis. I guess team success really was probably the determining factor with, with all, with the four, with the four guys. And Davis is the one on the worst team, right? putting up huge numbers, but you know, not necessarily lifting his team up. Did LeBron's absence kind of wipe him oh, off yeah. the list? Yeah. I just, you know, all the, games yeah, all, the, all the games missed just, you know, I, that, yeah, obviously he's, he's there. He was on my mind as I started, start, started the process. But I quickly, you know, just had them at the bottom of the list because of the games missed. I just sort of – I sort of sort them at, at at first by total production. And because of the games missed, his sort of total production number fell a little bit. And then I just went with – I, you know, based my decision on those four guys that I named. Right. I think Paul George to me is my my favorite kind of su- – not surprise pick, but favorite guy to, to rise into that level. When you consider where he's been in his career – you know, what he's dealt with in, with the injury a few years ago, obviously, but now being back where he's – he's, and I, I know we were joking with Eric Horn on Twitter about it the other day when he hit that big shot, but it's just fun to watch him play. Like, he's – you see a guy who's mastered his game. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's so measured in how he plays. I don't ever feel like he's trying to do too much or, you know, chasing numbers or anything like that. It's just – a smooth, efficient way to play, especially when you got a ball-dominant guy like Russell Westbrook to play with. He doesn't seem to have any of the issues, the give and take, or the you know the sharing issues that it seemed like Kevin Durant and, and Russell Westbrook had. His handle has gotten so much better. Yes, yes. Know, since his Indiana days, I feel like. Yes. I mean, I mean there I was a couple. Of, yeah, there was that one step back that he had against Philly late in the mm-hmm. game. It wasn't the game winner. No, but it was just a, where it was just the smoothest little yeah. crossover and step back that I'd seen in a long time. <laughs> and, and I was like, Oh, okay. And, and yeah, he's been, he's been terrific. And obviously a, um, an impact defender as well. And that, that yeah. gives him plus points in my mind. They're my danger zone team in the West this year, by the way, you know, everybody wonders what team in the West could be, a problem come playoff time. And I always, I got it bad. I'm always looking ahead, thinking about the playoffs, thinking about matchups. They are officially my danger zone team for the playoffs. I just want to get that on record. So who are your other two uh, Western Conference front? Uh, I, I did not dismiss Anthony Davis because of his team's brutal lack of success. He's so good, you. He is. I, I mean, really and, is. And, and, yeah. And, and for all-star purposes, I didn't think, like, if it was all NBA – some people I know take a different approach. They say, well, all NBA should be about best players, not necessarily about who's winning and who's not. But I don't, I don't feel good 
leaving Anthony Davis out of the mix because of his team's lack of success or because of the fact that the Pelicans aren't as good as we think they should be. Because he he certainly does everything that's asked of him. It's, it's not – I'm not putting it on his shoulders. I didn't put Jokic on there, and I know people will probably be upset about that, but I, just, I couldn't – I couldn't put him in that mix shoe knowing that he, he's their most important player, no question in Denver. There's no, no, there's no doubt about that. And you, know, and you know Denver's in second place in the Western I know, right? I know. Right. But there are a bunch of nights when, I, when I'm looking at the Nuggets, and I don't – he doesn't scream – he doesn't jump out at me as their best player all the time. And I know that's not fair to him. I think, there, I think he's got – he's doing uh, – I, I, I have definitely been frustrated by his lack of aggressiveness in the past. Yeah. But I think that has become far less of a problem over the last, I want to say, two or three months. There was that – remember there was that stretch of games where he had like – One or shoot. Two, yeah, what, like three or four shots at the most. Yeah. Um, but that, I don't think that's happened in a long time. And, and, and I, I mean, he's just so good and so important to what is the second best team in the West. And I couldn't keep him off. But yeah, I, I'll tell you where the real interesting dilemmas in the West are going to occur is what do you do with Clay Thompson and Carl Anthony Towns? And I have to worry about it. That's the coach's job. I know. That's what I'm saying. But what do you do, if, you know, when you, it comes time to, to decide between some of those guys? Um, uh, we could talk about it next week. That'd be interesting. We yeah, we'll could, talk we about make our week. reserve picks if you want next week. But I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not, you know, I like not having any real consequences to <laughs> to picking all star. It's very very good point. So you had we'll just, so wait, see, so you had George, Anthony Davis, and Durant. Yes. Okay, so you left off LeBron and Jokic then. Yes, but I'm, I couldn't leave Durant off. He's been playing great. Um, no way I could have left him off, and and AD was just hard to pass up. You know, when you consider the magnitude of his game, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. It's fine. And like you said, doesn't matter. We are. We vote. It's only a small piece of the larger picture. LeBron's going to end up with the most votes anyway. Correct. So, absence or not, he's going to be on there, and he'll probably be picking. Um, so you know that that'll be the way it goes. Should be interesting, though. Um, we'll see Thursday on TNT when the starters. Are announced. Make sure you check it out on NBA.com as well. We'll have that for you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Shoot, my voice is shot. I think it comes from all the yelling and screaming I was doing over the weekend, laughing at at some of our mutual friends who root for this New Orleans Saints. Oh no! And, and watching the agony, and then cheering as my boy Tom Brady Poor is Arthur. making it back to another Super Bowl. Yeah, dude, he took the mega bus. He, oh, no. he took a ride on the mega bus to and from New Orleans <laughs> for the game. So you better believe I was giving him the business. Ah, uh, poor Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be back on Thursday with another episode here at Hangtime Podcast with a deep dive into another team from around the league. We we'll, won't tell you what team that is. You got to tune in to check it out. Um, be sure to subscribe to Hangtime on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For new episodes all season long, don't forget to leave a review, please. And uh, for John Schumann, our producer, John Hartzell, Seku Smith, we'll see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.